mentioned to me this morning, like Brother Joe mentioned, I can't believe you have six kids. And I'm like, I can't believe it either. And, <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I never really felt like when I had five kids that it was that big of a deal. I, I came from a family with five kids and so it just seemed completely normal. And, you know, just adding that one more, I, mean, it's, I do every once in a while, like, I got six kids. <laughs> and I'm very thankful for it, but it is kind of overwhelming sometimes. It's like, wow. And uh, boy, they're, they're good kids. Um, they're expensive, though. Boy, you know, they eat every day, and they, they all want to eat more than once a day, too. I, I just I, I don't understand it, and uh, but I, I wouldn't trade them for anything. And uh, yeah, I was thinking about that this morning. You know, so my first Father's Day as a father of six, and I don't know, it seemed like a big deal. I'm like, man. Six kids, and I—I I think in my, in my family, um, you know, my wife's family, we—you know, my cousins and everything. I think I think we've got the biggest family. Uh, I can't think of anybody that I'm related to that has more kids than that. And so, uh, when I think about that, I'm like, wow. And it's like, you know, you're winning. It's like, well, I didn't really realize it was in a contest, but you know, if somebody beats me on it, I'm not going to feel too bad. <laughs> and so, but I, I am very thankful. My quiver's full. And uh, I've heard people, you know, if I had any more, I'd probably be quivering. But <laughs> yeah, I, we we do have a very uh, interesting household. You know, it's exciting with all those personalities. Of course, we went to camp. I uh, took the kids to camp a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was with them for the first couple days, and then I came back home. And on Friday, when I got off at Walmart, I had to you know hurry up. I got off late, and I, I had to go and. Uh, 
uh, working my other job, and so I'm in the house, changed everything. But all the kids just got home from camp, and boy, you should have seen it. I got home, and while I'm like trying to rush through the house and get ready, they're all telling me stories from their week and everything, and and, uh, and I felt bad, I kind of had to rush out of there. But I got back home and I got all caught up on all the stories and things from camp, and so there's all there's always uh, something going on whenever I get home, and uh, usually. Too, you know, with there being that many kids, you know, they're all anxious to get their story out first. And uh, usually, when I get home, there's one or two that meets me out the uh, driveway right when I get out of the truck to start telling me the stories because that's what you have to do in a big family if you're gonna get if you're gonna get the attention. And it's usually Allie that meets me outside. And if you wonder why, you know, she's as outgoing as she is, uh, so, you know, she's got four older brothers and sisters she's got to compete with so she's got to use a little more strategy and a, a little more personality I guess to make sure she gets everybody's attention but I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world let's go ahead and go to Proverbs this morning Proverbs chapter 17 you know we're in the next week we're going to be talking about the old paths you know back back in the day uh, it wasn't that uncommon for see big families it was it was pretty common uh, thing and uh, I, you know, one of the things I noticed growing up, I was in those big families. They seemed like they had all the fun, and uh, I think I think we do. I think we've got we have a lot of fun at our house, and uh, definitely, you know, for our couple get ready to get married, you know, I recommend having kids, and uh, it's how the world goes on. So, Proverbs chapter seventeen, verse twenty-one. We're going to be talking mainly to fathers today. I hope this will uh, be a help to you. But I'm going to read two different verses. Uh, for you in Proverbs, Proverbs seventeen chapter or chapter seventeen verse twenty one, and then Proverbs twenty three verse twenty four. But seventeen twenty one says, "He that begetteth a fool, doeth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy." And then in Proverbs twenty three verse twenty four, we kind of see a contrast here. It says, "The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child." Shall have joy of him. You know, I think I think there's something, you know, with men. You know, we wanna we wanna have children pass that name on. You know, have that next generation. And you know, but you know, when you take kids, when you have kids, let me tell you, they can bring you the greatest joys, but you know, they can bring the greatest sorrows too. I know there's there's probably some in here that maybe you've lost children before to death, and I can't even imagine. Uh, what that would be like? What a what a great sorrow that would be to outlive one of your children. That would be a very devastating thing uh, to happen, and it's devastating because of that love that you have for them because it was so great. Uh, but you know, at the same time, many people it's like they're so afraid of maybe that sorrow. Unfortunately, they miss out on some of those great joys that come with children. I mean, you know. Lana, I mean, just, you know, she's not even three months old, but I mean, you know, that, that little girl, she's got this thing that she's doing now where she likes to talk to you. Whenever she sits on my lap, sometimes it takes a while to get, you know, to get her attention. She gets to looking all over the place. But once she finally makes eye contact and starts watching me, she immediately starts, you know, doing this cooing thing and just, you know, trying to talk. And it, it's just, it's cute. It's as cute as all get out. And I get a kick out of it every time. I, I love it. And I can't imagine, you know, missing out, you know, might not seem like a big thing, but it is a big thing. That little tiny little thing, she loves her daddy, and uh, and I and it, it is it's it's exciting. You just you can't beat that. You, there's nothing that you could trade it for. And um, 
And, you know, as a father, sometimes it is very overwhelming. You know, when you think about these little kids that you have, and I, I'll never forget when we brought Tommy home from the hospital and car- carrying him out of the hospital, I'm like, I'm responsible for this little person that's in this car seat that, that can't do anything, can't do anything for himself. And it's like, man, it, it was. It was kind of a very overwhelming sense of responsibility that came on me. I, I was only I was only 21 when Tommy was born. I was a young dad, and I'm you know I the job that I was working at. I was one of the youngest people that worked there, and but at the same time. People always thought I was a lot older than I was. I think a lot of it was because I started losing my hair at a very young age. You know, that kind of helped. <laughs> that helped a little bit. But two, people knew I was married. They knew I had kids. You know, Jason, he was born not long after Tommy was. And they were always shocked when they found out how young I was. And, you know, I, 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 I finally one day they were talking about that. I said, do I look that old? I was like, I know, you know, I know I'm going bald already. But, I mean, good night. I don't look that old. And they said, you know, it's not that. It's just you're a lot more mature than most of the guys here that are around your age. And I think that was because, you know, when you become a dad, yeah, you just, you, just, you kind of have to mature, don't you? You know, when you get married, you, you have to grow up a little bit, you know? And I, I try to still be a kid to a certain extent. I like to have fun and mess around. But boy, you do, you, when you uh, having kids, get married, those things, they will change a person. They will change you. And it is... Very overwhelming because you have that responsibility that comes on you. I know one fellow I work with that you know that uh, wasn't always the hardest worker in the world, but all of a sudden he found out that he had a baby coming, and he stepped up his. I remember he he just stepped up his game and was doing a lot more. You know, and I asked about it. He said, I, "Well, I got figure I got a kid coming now. I probably better try doing a little more." And Said it, it does. It helps maturity. I think that's one of the reasons we've got some thirty and forty year olds today that still act like teenagers. They've just said, you know, they're not married, never had any kids, and therefore, why grow up? And but um, that responsibility it is overwhelming, and it is something that you need to make sure you don't try to avoid. You know, these days, whenever responsibility comes on people, many times, especially younger people, they try to find a way around it. They try to find a way to pass it off on somebody else. And at this, and I'm here today to tell you that as fathers, especially, you've got to make sure you take that responsibility. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't let it defeat you. Do what you're supposed to do. So what are we supposed to do? And I think one of the reasons that you see dads these days that want to maybe run from that responsibility. When they find out maybe they have a kid coming, maybe they weren't married uh, to the woman, and they just they get scared and they run off. When the girlfriend finds out she's pregnant, I think a reason for a lot of that is they have no clue what to do. They're overwhelmed with the thought of, I've got to be a dad. What in the world am I supposed to do? How am I going to do this right? And unfortunately today, people aren't being taught the Bible. And the Bible tells us what we need to do. And I want to just look at a few things today that fathers have got to make sure you take this responsibility, these responsibilities and do these things. You owe it to your children. You, mean you, you help bring them into this world. Make sure you pass these things on to them. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, this is the very first time in the Bible we see the word Father. And, I, and there is so much in these verses. I, I, we could preach the whole message just on these few verses here. But I want to show you a couple things in here. And just so there's, there's a lot for fathers, but I've just got a few. Uh, important things I want to show you, but Proverbs, or Genesis chapter two verse twenty four says, "Therefore, 
shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. The very first time in the Bible the word father is used, it's talking about a man leaving his father. Leaving his father, cleaving to his wife. The first thing that, that fathers, you need to teach your sons, you need to teach them and you need to train them to leave and cleave, as we call it. You know, as much as I love my kids, it's not going to work out real good if I train them to just live with me forever. Okay, you know, I, I, I've, you know, I ask my girls sometimes, you know, you guys going to stay with me forever? To, you know, take care of daddy forever? And you know, and, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they're they're going to do it now. But you know what? I know that's kind of unrealistic expectation. As much as I love my daughters, as much as I don't look forward to the, giving them away one of these days and letting some other guy, you know, take them and out of my house, and they're going to think they're going to think he's better than they think I am. And, I'm not, I'm not going to like that too much. I'm not really looking forward to that. My dad, you know, it's it's funny. Um, you know, we've got all of our weddings on video and just, you know, watching his reaction, you know, whenever he's walking my sisters down the aisle. And it's funny, you know, I, I forgot which one there was one. You know, he's kind of like biting his lip the whole time, you know, just kind of trying not to cry. And, you know, and I, it's funny. On the next one, you can see him, you know, he's like making a conscious effort not to bite his lip because <laughs> he remember that video. But he always had a tough time with every one of them. Just, you know, hated, hated giving his daughters away. It was a difficult thing. He had no problem when I got married. He was thrilled to death when I got married because I think he was anxious to become, he was anxious to become a grandpa. But you got to teach them to basically, when it says to leave your father and mother, the goal is not just to get them out of the house and get them out of the house and say, all right, boom, 18, get out. I did my job. That's not what it's saying. Okay, when you teach them to leave, you're teaching them basically to go and now start your own family. Leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. You're teaching them, you're training them to, hey, one of these days, son, you are going to go and you're going to have your own family. You're going to have your own wife. You're going to raise your own kids. And when you set, when they go, when they leave and cleave, they need to know what to do. They need to know how to provide for that family. They need to know how to work a job and work hard. They need to know how to raise kids. They need to know how to teach them. They need to know the Word of God. I mean, there's so many things that, that they need to be taught, that they need to be ready for. And it's our job to teach them those things. You know, These days, it's like parents have left literally everything to the public school to teach their kids. I mean, that that's why they... You know, the... Sex education and stuff that goes on. Schools have no business teaching that to kids. I mean, absolutely not. But it's like they're like, well, somebody's got to teach. Somebody's got to teach it to them. And you know what? Somebody does need to teach them eventually. Okay, not when they're little kids. Uh, but so, it needs to be the parents that teach them those things. I mean, you know, schools. They, you know, they used to teach reading, writing, arithmetic, all that stuff. Now they want to get into all these social things, and it's like, no. Some things are for the parents to teach their kids. But parents aren't doing it these days. They're, they're not teaching them. You teach your son the importance of finding one woman that he can spend the rest of his life with. You need to teach your daughter to wait for that one man that's worthy of her. You know, it broke my heart yesterday. There was, oh, there was two teenagers out here. I mentioned those ones. They were there. When we got back to moving, six hours later, they're still there. First, they were just laying laying under the tree right here in our yard. I had to tell them to leave. They went over right outside the yard, another tree by the park, and were there six hours 
doing stuff teenagers shouldn't be doing. And, you know, I kept thinking, where is that girl's dad? Why is he not being chased down with a shotgun <laughs> right now? I mean, you know, where's that boy's dad? Where are they? That kind of stuff shouldn't be going on with teenagers. But you know what? It does today. You know why? They're not being taught anything. She hasn't been taught to wait for a man that's worthy of her. And it's just, it's sad the, what, the lack of teaching that goes on. You just got to ask, where are the parents? You know what? And that it is, it's our job. Don't leave it to the school. Some parents, they try to leave everything to the church. Well, you know, the pastor teacher, the Sunday school teacher will teach them. Listen, there's great. You, you can learn a lot from a church. I, you know, my kids, they've always been involved in Sunday school and things like that. But ultimately, it's my responsibility to make sure that they know the Word of God. It's my responsibility to teach them about salvation. It's my responsibility to teach them how to grow up and how to be men and how to be good fathers and, hus- and husbands. And, and it's up to those... The wives to teach their daughters how to be good wives and mothers. You've got to teach those things, and unfortunately, it's not being done. We're not t- we're not teaching that next generation, kind of like we talked about last week. And the Bible says here, for this cause shall a man leave his father. What cause? Because he's going to go start his own family. He's got a wife. They're going to leave. They're going to become. They're going to become one flesh. You know, teach them how to be faithful. You know, the problem with this dating junk that goes on with young people today. All you know what. When you got a 13, 14, and 15 year olds dating each other, you know, all you're really going to teach them is how to break up. Teach them how relationships fall apart. That's all you're going to teach them. All you're going to do is just give them lust and things that they're going to have to fight and they shouldn't have to deal with. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. But they're, just, they're not being taught. You know where they learn? You know where guys and girls are learning how to treat the opposite sex from what they see on television? from what they're watching on TV. And by the way, that's not good stuff. It's not good at all. Fathers need to teach your children to recognize their impact on future generations. Look at Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. This is something that's not this is not talked about, it's not thought about, it's not it is not being communicated from fathers to sons and mothers to daughters. But in Genesis chapter 17, Verse 1 says that when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked to them saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. I don't know if you realize all that was being said there, but Abraham received a promise that day that he did not see the results of. Abraham, he only had, well, he had two sons. He had one legitimately, he had one that he was not supposed to have. He had a son by the name of Ishmael. He didn't trust God that God was going to give him a son in his old age with his wife being as old as she was. So he went and had a son through his wife's handmaid, Hagar. And you know what? God said, you know, I'm going to teach Abraham faith. And made Abraham wait another 13 years, I believe. And then he had a wife, uh, or a child with his wife, Sarah. He had two children. One was Ishmael, the father of the Arab people today. The other son he had, Isaac, the father of the Jewish people today. What's going on with those two people today? 
constant war, constant fighting. And look how many of them there are. I mean, you can't number the Jews. You can't number the the Arabs and the Muslims. You can't number those people. There's so many of them. Basically, what I'm trying to say is you need to teach your children the fact of their impact on future generations. You know, hopefully what's going to happen, like right now, you know, my dad, he only had one son. And there, we have my one McMurtry family and my sisters, they all have other names, they don't count. Uh, but there's only, there's only one McMurtry family right now. But you know what? I had two sons. Pretty, pretty soon there's going to be two more McMurtry families out there. And you know what? What if they both have two sons? You know what? My generation, they're going to multiply and I mean, we've got some grandparents here that maybe you know you had maybe only you had two or three kids, but you've got you know ten or fifteen grandkids, and you got twenty some great grandkids. I mean, you've got a bunch of people in your family. You know why? You multiplied, didn't you? And whether you know it or not, you have impacted their lives. Many of the things they do, many of the good things, many of the bad things. It's they got it from you. Whether you know it or not, they got it from you. I mean, the, the impact you have. I mean, you, I mean, if you're have you ever stopped and maybe counted out how many people are alive today because you reproduced? Who knows? I mean, there might, there might be several. My grandma, she had nine kids. And I believe it was 35 grandkids. And when she died, I think it was around 39 great-grandkids. And there's been a lot more since then. I have no idea how many it is. A lot of people multiplied. And you know what? Your children, they're going to have an impact. On, there's going to be, they're going to multiply. There's going to be a bunch of them. And you know what? Their life matters. Their decisions matter. If I become a bum, if I go and I do something stupid, I, maybe I end up in prison, it's going to affect all six of my kids. If I end up becoming that, an absent father, there's a good chance. My boys might find out what it's like. If I go and I give up on my wife, I give up on my marriage, there's a better chance that they might do it. But if I stick it out, if we learn how to work through things, there's a better chance they might do it too. Not guaranteed, but it's possible. And we've, I, we've got to really, our, every decision you make, it has an impact on the next generation. You've got to think about that. And people these days, they only think about themselves. And God told Abram, you're going to be the father of many nations. And who knows how many you know, years down the line, how many people are going to be impacted by you. Teach them about the importance of faithfulness to God, their spouse, and others. Teach them the importance of character. People these days, they don't, they don't care about character. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't get caught. You know, that, that's, that's a terrible attitude. And just the lack of character. You know, one thing that I, you know, I was taught as a young man growing up was the importance of hard work. I just can't believe how many, you know, men these days are just lazy and worthless and just won't even try, can't do anything, give up at the easiest things. I, I know, you know, we've got a lot of the older generation here, and you can't. I mean, I, I've heard some of the stories of the things that you went through and how hard you had to work and what you had to do to provide for your family and to do things the right way. And then and I know it's got to grieve your heart to just see people these days who just make no effort at all. They give up at the littlest obstacle that don't even try. And we have got to make sure that we teach your kids to work through these things. You know, my boys, I, I do. I I try to work them hard. I want to teach them how to work through things and you know how to overcome challenges and how to work through pain and I mean we've got we've got to learn those things. 
And it's up to parents to teach them. You've got to be there. Do it. Teach your children to have faith in God. Genesis chapter 22, verse 7. It says, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. I love that statement he made there. You know the story. This is where Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice his own son because God told him to. And Abraham goes there in the situation. They don't have what they need. And Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide. And you know what? God provided. And I'm telling you right now, that faith, you have got to teach that. You've got to pass it on to your children. It is so important. Faith in God's plan of salvation. Boy, that's the most important thing you pass on to your kids. Listen, you, know, you tell your kids, hey, I'm going to heaven. Someday I'm going to be with Christ because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. I accepted His gift of salvation. Teach them that. Make sure they know how to get saved so they can be in heaven. And don't just teach them how to get saved. Teach them how to tell others and teach them to pass that faith on to the next generation. And Abraham did. He had faith in God. He was mentioned for his faith in God. And you know what? Isaac, the same thing. Isaac had faith in God. Jacob had faith in God. And then years later, God's talking to Moses and said, I'm, the, uh, you know, I'm God, the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I mean, those guys were noted for their faith. And we've got to teach that. You've got to pass that on. Have faith in God's provision. Teach your children. You know, God's going to provide for us. God's going to take care of us. If you are a parent in here today, there is, you know, I'm sure everybody in here, there's probably been a time or two in your life when you weren't real sure how you're going to pay the bills, or you weren't real sure how you're going to buy the groceries, we've been there before. And you know, I like to joke with my wife. You know, get upset. You know, you know, women they they tend to worry about things a little more. You know, guys we're usually a little more optimistic. Hey, we're going to figure this out. You know, we're going to, we're going to you know we're going to make we're going to get through this. But you know what? Kids need to see some of that faith. They need to see that faith in God and faith in God's provision. And you know, I, I joke with her all the time. You know, all right, you know, you know never start panicking. Uh, it's only a matter of time. You know, we're going to be, you know, out on the street and you know, starving to death. You know, it was, we all dramatize things a little bit, don't we? And sometimes they only see that. They need to see the faith. You know, I, I have the song that I like to sing in our family. I, my wife gets aggravated when I sing it. You know, the "Yes, We Have No Money" song. I'm not going to sing it now. She'll, she'll get mad and come nursery and come in here and hit me. But you know, just. If you ever heard the song "Yes, We Have No Bananas," it's an old song. I changed it, and you know, just you know. But at the same time, every once in a while, you know, things come up. You know, things are tight, things are difficult. And I was like, you know, we've been married for 13 years, and we've always paid our bills. We've never starved to death. I think the Lord got us with this song. He can continue to get us through. Have that faith and share it. And when the Lord blesses, when the Lord provides, talk about it to your children. We were talking about Sunday school. Ella May, her uh, her dad just passed, and it was neat hearing uh, her his niece and his family just giving some of the testimonies and things that he gave, talking about God's provision. He passed those stories on. He passed that faith on, and that is what we've got to do. We've got to share that faith. Talk about what God's done. Talk about how He's provided. Teach those things. You know, have faith. Have faith in God's Word. Hey, this is what the Bible says. Quote those Scriptures. Pass that on. They will remember those things. And maybe may at key moments in their life, there's going to be times when they're going to be 
tempted to make some bad decisions. You know what? Sometimes it's the words of the parents. The things they taught them. Maybe maybe a Scripture from God's Word, but maybe they hear their parent quoting that Scripture. Passing these things on can make a huge difference. I mean, it really only takes one really bad choice to totally destroy your life. I mean, there are people out there that they've been worried. They didn't know how maybe they, where they were going to get their next meal or how they were going to pay their bills. And instead of trusting in the Lord, maybe they decided robbery. And now they're in prison. But what if they they if they had just been taught to trust in the Lord? And God, God could have provided. You know, sometimes God waits till the last minute. <laughs> I, I hate that. But God does sometimes. He makes us He makes us have faith. And He does it. It's like, oh Lord, can you I know you're gonna provide, but can you just show me you know, give me an idea how you're gonna do this? Because I'm I'm starting to panic a little bit here. And you know he he never does. But at the same time, he always takes care of things. He always provides and boy we and you've got to remind them of that. Let them see that. You know, don't let don't let them see you panicking. You know, and pounding in the corner, sucking your thumb, panicking. You know, don't don't you know, let them see though that you know just that faith in God and His Word. Quote those scriptures, pass those things on. Then also make sure you're always where you're supposed to be, just in case your children do go astray. Go to Luke chapter fifteen. You know, there are no perfect parents in the world. And you know what? Even if you are the best parent in the world, it doesn't mean your children are going to do everything you taught them to do. They have a will of their own. They're going to make their own choices someday. And they are responsible for the choices that they make. And you know what? It's, it's possible. I hope not. You know, my, Some of my children, they may go astray. But at the same time, if that day ever comes, if that day ever comes for you, if that day, maybe that day is there for you. One thing we can learn from the father, remember the father of the prodigal son. We know the story of the prodigal son. I believe he had a good father. The Bible calls him a prodigal because prodigal means a waster. He went he wasted everything his father gave him. He wasted that advice. He wasted his inheritance. He went and he took his inheritance early and he went and he blew it all. He spent all, and you know the story, he ended up working with pigs. He's there eating the food that the pigs eat. And after he eats that food, the Bible says that he came to himself. And it says in verse 17, and he, he came to himself and he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? He's like, my father's servants, they've got more than enough to eat. I will arise and go to my father. Now wait a minute. How did he know, how did he know where to go? Because his father was where he was before. His father was a stable person. He knew where his father would be. He said, I'll return and say, I have sinned in heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy father's servants. His father must have been a forgiving person because he knew that if he goes back to his father and asks for forgiveness that he would probably give it to him. And it says, He arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. His father did better than he expected. Not only was his father there and not not only did his father 
He didn't even get a chance to say anything to his dad. His dad immediately goes running to him, meets him, falls on his neck, and kisses him. And the Bible says, you know, he's, he goes into his speech that he had prepared. You know, Father, you know, I've sinned against heaven thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. And his father, hey, we're not having any of that. And he tells him, he gives him a robe and he puts it on him. He gets a ring and he puts it on him. Basically, that ring, it was a picture of that authority. He's just saying, hey, you're my son. That you you still you're you're in leadership here. You can have your position back as as my son. And they went and they killed that fatted calf and they made Mary because his son was lost and is now found. And listen, you need to make sure that as a, as a father, and this goes on to the day you die, that your children will always have a place if they go astray where they can come back and they can find love and forgiveness. So, you know, your kids are going to get to an age you can't control what they do. They're going, to be, they're going to make their own decisions. But you've got to make sure that you stay faithful. That Your job does not end when your kids grow up and are out of the house. Your job is it, going, going to keep on going. And if they ever go astray, they're going to know, hey, I'm, I know where my father is. My father will forgive me. My father will still love me. Make sure, and you know what? Make sure they have a place that's worth coming back to. He thought about his father's house and he said, you know, he thought about the servants in his father's house. They've got it good. They've got bread enough to spare. I'd be happy just being a servant in my father's house. You know, some homes these days are so miserable. There's so much turmoil, so much fighting in there. The kids, they, just, they can't wait to get out. They're going to get out as quick as they can. They're going to get as far away from that as they can. And we talked this morning in church or in Sunday school about you know Jonadab, who his sons they passed. He was able to pass his faith onto them. They followed his teachings for generations and generations. I think that's something that every father wants. But you know, many children that grow up in Christian homes, one of the reasons they reject their father's faith is because it really wasn't real. They got they get turned off to. Everything about religion because maybe it was all phony, it wasn't real, and so they don't they don't want to have anything to do with it. You know, we need, it's our responsibility, I believe, as fathers, to make sure our home's a happy place. I know we like to we like to blame the women on that one. You know, if, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, and, that, and <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. But you know, you know who's responsible for making mom happy? It's dad. It's that, uh, so we've got to take responsibility for these things. Make sure that you have a happy home. Make sure that it's a place that they would want to come back to. You know, unfortunately, many of the people that are out miserable these days, they don't have any. They don't have any good examples to go to. They don't have you know good examples of marriage and good examples of fathers. They're trying to figure out how, how am I going to raise my kid? You know, my kid's out of control. My kid cries. You know, my kid breaks things. My kid, you know, throws fits. What in the world am I supposed to do? Well, they can't go ask their parents because their parents didn't do anything about it and it got them in trouble. They, they don't know what to do. They have, they have no idea. You know, I know what to do when kids get out of control. You know why? Same thing my dad did to me. It got me under control. I had I had those days. I had those moments, and I was like, "Yeah, that's that always straightened me up, real good. It'll probably work for my kids." And it just so happens that what they did was what the Bible says to do. And so, all right, let's pass let's pass that on. Let, let's do that. And I thank God for the things that I was taught. You know, and I thank God that you know my dad was a pastor. 
And it's helped me out a lot now that I, now that I'm a pastor. And whenever certain things come up, you know, and there, there's a lot of things that you know that come up. Pastoring, you just you don't learn in Bible college. But at the same time, I'm like, well, this is what my dad did. I do that all the time. We're raising the kids. You know, just well, you know, this is this is what my parents did. And you know, many of the foolish things that are being done today by children. It's what their parents did. It's exactly what they did. I mean, and I, it, it would be a good idea sometimes to you know think about maybe the good things in your life and, and the bad things, the mistakes you've made, and think how many generations that goes back. You know, that's the same thing my parents did. That's the same thing their parents did. And then at some point, somebody in that generation's got to say, you know what? It's not going to be this way in my my house. I'm going to teach the next generation how to do things the right way. I, you know, I said, there's things I wish I'd have done different growing up. I want to make sure I teach that to my children. That's, that's my responsibility. God, the Bible says, Lord, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. There is no greater gift. There is nothing of any greater value that can be given than a child. I mean, you think about, you know, what, what amount of money would you take for them? Well, there is no amount of money. Why? Because... You know they're priceless, and we, you know you think about just the gift of children, and to think that many parents these days, literally, they've spent. I've I've known parents that have done better jobs training their dog than their children. They and you know how they were able to train that dog so good? They put time and effort into it, and they put none into their children. People, I mean, that will they will spend more money. On their animals than children. And hey, I'm all for training your animal and taking care. But boy, don't forget about those kids. They're a lot more important. They're, they're, not, they're not animals. Those are, those are your children. They are a gift to you from God. And boy, we need to put some effort into that. People, they will work harder on their jobs and they, they will work harder on their homes and they will take better care of their car. Let me tell you, there are some teenage guys out there that you would never in a million years let them borrow your car, but you'll let them take your daughter out. Whoa. <laughs> There's something wrong with that picture right there. But that... That happens. We just leave the kids to do whatever. Man, get involved as a parent. Those are those are your children, and you know what? Those children are probably eventually going to bring grandchildren. And you know what? You're going to love those grandkids. I know we've got grandparents. You you love those grandkids. You love those great grandkids. And I think about those verses we read. You know, he that begat at the fool. That would be sorry. I, I, you know, I hate to see my son in jail. You know, if my son, if he did something terrible and was being tried for murder or something, I, I'd be there at the court case. I'd go there, but I, I'd be brokenhearted to see him put into prison. I can't imagine seeing that. And then to think about how my sorrow would be multiplied if I had a son that was a fool and he raised his children to be a fool. Because I'm going to love those grandkids even if they are fools. I'm going to love my kids even if they're fools. But it's going to break my heart. But imagine, reverse it. You know, you think about your kids when they're doing right. And then you see the grandkids doing right. There is no greater joy than that. And we just can't expect things to just naturally work out. There, there's a lot working against them in this world today. What's being taught from 
you know, most people get their teaching these days on, on marriage and everything from Hollywood and the news media. And it's, it's not working. Somebody has got to step up and take responsibility to teach these things. And I believe uh, mothers and fathers. But today I'm talking to fathers. And don't just pass it all off on the wife. Well, that's mom's job. No, it's your job. You make sure it gets done. So let's all stand together.